Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about turning our baggage into luggage. I'm excited to welcome special guest Donna Tashjian. Donna is an author, speaker, coach, podcast host, and the founder of Vibrant Living International. She has developed powerful programs to help women rise above a painful past so they can live the life of their dreams. Donna offers a free ebook called An Umbrella on a Sunny Day, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Donna. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you, Linda. It is my pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you. All right. So baggage into luggage. Can we talk about that? What that means? Well, it is my focus is helping people rise above a painful past so that they can be who God created them to be and live the life of their dreams with confidence and ease. And so first, a lot of times we've had disappointments and outright tragedies happen in our life. And we don't always completely process them or heal from them. And so this, that thought is to turn your baggage into luggage. So change it into something good so that it can actually propel you into your purpose and your destiny. I agree with everything that you've said a hundred percent. And I have learned from my experience and experience of my friends and associates that time does not magically heal all wounds. Absolutely not. Time buries old wounds. And sometimes we might even forget what the wound is. Sometimes we remember, but sometimes you can forget and not even know what it is. And it's like that sliver under your skin that just, it hurts if you touch anywhere near it. And it's not until we open it up and pull that out that actual healing can begin. So I'm, I'm delighted to be hearing your message. So I would love to hear some of, your, some of your strategies of how you do it. I know in your book, you talk about your four keys to rise above a painful past and to live the life you've always dreamed. So is it okay if we talk about those four keys? Absolutely. That'll be fine. One of the keys is, um, I call it our understanding. And it is the process that we go through when we realize that something good can come out of everything. Um, It doesn't magically do that, but it can. Especially with God on our side, all things can work together for good. So the belief is, is that learning that um, we we act like that somehow it's just going to get all better and it doesn't. So learning that all things can work together to good. I I like to call it gifts wrapped in sandpaper. Um, they rub us the wrong way. They cause us to be uncomfortable. They um, cause all, and some of them are outright tragic, but everything can be turned for, my, for good. And in the book, I talk about um, my own story. Um, I share a lot of personal stories of mine things that have occurred as well. Wonderful. I definitely would like to go there. Do you want to go there first? Go where? On my story? Yeah. Okay. Well, we can go there. I got that one memorized. I I understand that very much. (laughs) Yes. Well, the the book begins and, you know, I'm not going to tell everything in the book because I want people to get it. 
but the book begins with me telling a story and it was a hot July day, still remember. And I was living in Texas. So it's a deep level of hot. And I was standing in the bathroom. I was uh, 14 or 15 years old and I had tears running down my face and I was counting and going one, two, three. No, I can't be. I can't be pregnant. Oh dear. But I was. But I was. A few months prior, a family member had hurt me and I hadn't told anybody. Nobody knew anything. And I grew up in a religious home where this was not going to be okay. And um, that began a very, to say those next few years were hard. I, I don't know the adjectives to describe the despair, the shame, the fear, um, hopelessness, uh, low self-esteem, all of those kind of things that came out of that place. I had my little girl when I was 15. I raised her on my own um, until I got married. And then my husband later on adopted her. But those years of trying to, really the only thing that helped, helped me not to be what everybody said I was going to become was my faith in God. It was the only thing that held me steady as I cried most days, wondering how I was going to make it, how I was going to feed her, how everything was going to work out. So I understand um, a lot of the pains that we go through, and your pain will be different you know, that yours is different, but I do understand. And one of the things that I call the stumbling blocks in the book is we began to try to please everybody, to keep everybody happy, especially with low self-esteem, because I want to be loved. And so it makes us make poor decisions from that place, because if I'm doing, I'm just becoming a yes person saying yes to everything to be able to be accepted and to feel like I fit in all of the things like that. So learning that we can begin to respect ourselves and respect our own values. And I'd go a lot more detail in the book, but being able to realize that when I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something. It's what? equal. For example, one of the stories I tell is, is um, my son had, was on a travel soccer team. And I said yes to travel, to take, we were in a private school, we had to provide transportation. So I volunteered, I had a big van, to take all the boys to the away games. At the same time, I'm trying to keep the house as clean as I did. I'm trying to do all the laundry. I'm trying to keep up with everything. Didn't realize when I say yes to that, I'm saying no to this for a temporary basis. Because we can't do it all, even though we try. <laughs> Gotcha. And so realizing that my yes also means a no. And who we say no to the most is our own self, taking care of ourselves. And I don't mean taking care of others is bad, but it can be taken too far. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I understand that very well. I love the idea that whenever we, we make any kind of decision with the use of our time or, or whatever, yeah. it is a decision. And if I'm going to be here, that means I can't be here, 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 and here. So that's very interesting, very thought-provoking. So with your situation and being so young, did your family let you stay with them, your parents, while you raised this I, child? 
I stayed in the home until she was three. I was 18 when I moved out. Um, but I began to have to pay rent and I began to have to pay for her stuff. So I didn't get a free ride. Um, if you will <laughs> on any, on anything with that. Um, I had, I had some issues with that when I was younger, but I also now am thankful because it made me be an adult quick and made me stand up. I, it helped me to be able to do what I needed to do, but it was hard. So mm. yes, at the age of 18, I, um, well, I finished high school at 16 and I became employed when I was 17 and then moved out when I was 18 and began to go to school nights one night and one class at a quarter and work full time and raise her. That is amazing. That took a lot of fortitude and a lot of moving forward. That's, uh, that's incredible. Plus the, the heartache, you said you were hurt. This was not, not, not by choice. It sounds like Correct. it was abuse. It was not by choice. Okay. And um, so I would imagine there's some healing in, that needed to take place from that. For a lot of years, you, I did process to the level I could forgiveness um, because I did have my faith in God was strong. But that is also healing. I believe forgiveness is like an onion. You do it in layers. You can't do it all when there's something really traumatic that happens. And I'd love to walk people through that, to be able to help people to process the forgiveness piece. But the other stuff, saying yes to everything, the next one I talk about the stumbling block is wearing a mask and pretending we're okay when we're not okay. How many of that. you listening have said you're okay when you're really not? Um, <laughs> or we pretend like we're, or we're like chameleons around different people um, to keep them happy as well. And we act different around different people, um, peer pressure, all those kind of things where we just keep mask on and we really don't even know who we are sometimes of really what's important because we've got all these plates in the air trying to keep everybody, everything going, saying yes to everything, making everybody happy and saying we're okay when we're not okay. And it's okay not to be okay. But that isn't always given permission to be able to do that. And we have... I had so many responsibilities, I didn't have time not to be okay, um, to be able. It reminds me of the story, I don't know if you've watched the movie Runaway Bride, mm -hmm. Julia Roberts, and I. one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when she is sitting at the diner trying to decide what kind of eggs she likes. She's got scrambled eggs, she's got eggs benedict, she's got poached eggs, she's got fried eggs. And she's in an omelet and all the, you know, different kinds. And she's like, when I was with Joe, I like these eggs. When I was with Fred, I like these eggs. When I like this, I was, and I don't even know what kind of eggs I like. And to me, that's a clear, that was, I love that scene because it represents us wearing masks. When we're with certain people, we say we like things because they do, but do you really? And so learning how to be who God created you to be and not an authentic and real because that's the real you that people will truly love when we begin to be that, not some form of us. Isn't that interesting? And like, for example, in the movie, it took someone kind of calling her bluff for her to yeah. recognize that she was being a chameleon and that she didn't know who she was. 
And that's something I think is a, is a part of our, our personal awakening. Just recognize who am I and going on a journey of who am I? And it is recognizing like maybe it's tasting different eggs and seeing what you like, paying attention to what interests you, what truly makes you happy. Um, is that something that you did going through that process of trying to figure out who you were? Well, yeah, when I, when I, well, I got married at 21, so, but I had a five-year-old at 21, so, <laughs> you know, um, but I got married at 21 and I went fishing with my husband, my husband, future husband, when we were dating, I went hunting with him. I hate those things. <laughs> They're not fun to me, but I did it. And so it took a while into the marriage for me to feel secure enough to go, I really don't want to go. I really don't like this. But it took a little while for me to begin to say, is it okay for me to say, can I just stay home and read a book or take the kids to the park or something? You know, I don't really want to sit out in the hot sun and drowned worms. <laughs> I understand that very much. And, you know, as we try to find that balance between as a as part of a family, we end up doing things that we don't enjoy to support someone else. And as I went through my own trying to figure out who I am and, and it's OK to to value myself and it's OK to do things that I want and it's OK to say no. But also as a parent and as a wife, we, we do say yes a lot of times. So uh, because we need to support and we need to. Um, to show someone else that we care about them. And that is the way that we care. When you said you did that and you didn't like it, it reminded me of my daughter when she uh, had a, a young man and she said, he invited me to a basketball game. And so I went to watch. I thought, oh, you like this one because I know you hate basketball. So <laughs> and this is how I know that you're serious. You mean business. You're willing to just blah, sit through this game that you do not like. So it, it is that there is a balance and it's a tricky thing to kind of to, to figure out. I think a lot of life is trying to, is trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit and how does this work and how do the pieces work? I think a lot of times as women in particular, we tend to put other people's needs, particularly in family's needs, our, our children or our spouse or whatever, above ourself. And in a way it's, it's a kind and selfless thing. But in another way, if we have nothing to give, we have nothing to give. Absolutely. I don't have to put them above but I need to honor both for sure, you know, be able to honor myself and know that if I need a day to do something or an afternoon to do something, then my kids will be better off by that. But man, is it, a, you know, I walked through it. My husband jokes. Now we've been married 37 years. So my husband jokes that I caught the fish I was after. <laughs> and that was him. <laughs> and it was him. <laughs> And it sounds like you had a very good catch if you adopted your lovely daughter and was able to make things work and move forward and you stayed together for 37 years and counting. Good catch. Yes. He is an amazing catch. So, yes. there were, and In 37 years, you know, there was rough spots. You know, and we have uh, two girls and a boy together. And so, and eight grandkids now. So, yeah. So, it's, it is learning to walk through the process the, the most wonderful thing that he did is he just loved me as I healed just loved me and that is an amazing thing to happen 
but who start who realize who I realized who loved me first and I began to grow in that is that God loved me. And is the capacity that I was able to receive his love, I was then able to be able to be healed and love others the same way. So um the right relationship helps, but you know, my husband's messed up. <laughs> that means he's human. I think we're all a little messed human, up. You know, and so he isn't the one to heal me. He isn't the one to meet all my needs because he did things to hurt. He's human. And we learn that the more we can receive God's love. And so I love helping people do that. That is absolutely fantastic and beautiful. And I have spoken with just the recent podcasts coming with that same similar message. So for feeling God's love, which is something that we really do need to heal, that is the source of healing. For me, with my personal story, I felt unlovable. And that affected my relationship with God because I thought, yes, God loves his children, except for me. Because, you know, because it's me and I'm not lovable. So it took a while for me to be able to feel that. Do you have some suggestions to help people be able to feel that love is perfect and that love is healing? But for me, for a long time, I I didn't think that was for me. I, I didn't think it included me, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And I relate completely mm-hmm. uh, of feeling unlovable. I, you know, talked about my low self-esteem and how, you know, still feeling unworthy and all of those right. kind of feelings that are associated with that. What I began to do through um, some books I read and some different process, and I help other people do it too, is ask, is simply ask God, I don't, I don't feel your love. I don't know how to do this. I don't know where to begin, but you say you love me. So show me today how much you love me. And I would say it every day. Find some way to get through to me so that I can actually receive your love because I want to, but I don't know how. And it's not an overnight thing, but that was, I was after that. You is seeking that I was like pursuing God. So it was something that I actively did on a regular basis, if not daily. Show me you love me. Teach me how much you love me. Show me the breadth, the hep- the height, the depth of your love. Teach me what it means to that you love me. In that revelation, he began to show me things throughout my life. He began to show me through different things that would occur, different people, all kinds of ways, because he can get through to us. Just ask. That's beautiful. And I love that in your asking, you are quite honest saying, I don't know how, and I don't know how, I don't feel this. Um, With me, my healing process, part of it was expressing my honest anger. It's like, I'm mad at you. You you weren't there when I needed you, or I didn't feel it. I I feel abandoned. I feel alone. And I, I, I didn't want to say that because I wanted to be respectful to, to God but it was not until I was completely honest that it was able to sink through, which is kind of interesting. It is funny, though, that we think that if we don't say it out loud, he won't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny. A lot of things that we think in our heads that make perfect sense in our heads, when you say them out loud, they really do sound pretty silly. It's like, 
Yeah, it's you're like right. somehow if I don't you say probably this out loud, already you knew. <laughs> you know, and so when we say it, it doesn't surprise him. It's a revelation to us. Yeah, and that's where the freedom comes in—is releasing that, so that you know he he isn't surprised. He's never disappointed with us. Let me let me explain that statement a little bit. To be disappointed with a person, I had to have thought they were going to do something they didn't, or behave in a way that they did, and it surprised me or disappointed me. Okay. But God's never surprised. He knows when we make mistakes that we're going to make them. He knows when we're mad, angry, turning away from him, whatever it is, blaming him. He knows it. It doesn't surprise him. And he still loves us. That's things that floors me is like, he knew it. He knew I was going to, and he still loves us. So, but that, that to me was one of my revelations is, is he's never, I can't do anything to make me, him love me more. And I can't do anything to make him love me less. Isn't that lovely? That is very important. It's when we're, well, it's important every day, but I think it's also particularly important when we're feeling unworthy and yes. feeling not in a good place and not able right. to like, oh, he doesn't want to listen to me because I'm X, Y, Z or whatever. Wonderful. Okay. So now I have a, I read in your bio, it says clients who said she will help you walk away from feeling overwhelmed, stress and self-doubt into peace and confidence, like a refreshing vacation to your body and soul. That's quite a beautiful testimonial for what you do. And I also loved when you said uh, that, you know, we're not just going to overcome this. We're going to kick it to the curb. Exactly. Yes, that's, I have a lot of clients who have been in counseling for years and counseling is good in its place. But one of my, several of my clients have said to me when I said, well, what's the difference? You're now better and you weren't and you've been in counseling for years. And that was their statement is that in counseling, I keep talking about coping with my problems, coping strategies or rehashing the problem. And that's not what I do as a coach. I help you figure out how to transform them or eliminate those pains in, in your past so that you can have your luggage, as I use that analogy, to take you into your actual destiny. So much of our pain, think about my pain, it was awful, but I am more able to help other women than I would have been if that hadn't happened. Right. So it's, it can all turn to good, and I have an amazing daughter out of it. Yes, yes, you have many good things that came out yes. of it. A nice. beautiful human and yes. also the ability to have something of value to share with other people. Because it's a situation that people immediately recognize that that's hard. That's yes. a hard thing. Right. Well, can you tell me a little bit about your nonprofit, the um, Vibrant Living International? Um, everything that I do comes from Vibrant Living International. Um, it's my the ministry that I'm working within. So it it you know through all of this process, we have one on one coaching, we have group coaching, and I also have a podcast as well and just try to do as much as I can to elevate people out of their pain into their dreams. Wow, that's a beautiful saying. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your story and for rising above 
Because when you rose above, you didn't just help yourself. You put yourself in a place that you can help other people. And I think that's a little bit of a responsibility that we carry as we deal with our situations where it's, you know, it's, it's not just about me by fixing myself, working on myself, kicking those, um, kicking that past to the curb, then we're able to help the next person because on this pathway of life, there's going to be someone in front of us and there's going to be someone behind us. And there's always something that we can do to be able to help lift and serve the people behind us. Absolutely. So thank you for visiting with me today. I, I really appreciate it. You are very welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Um, I love to be an encouragement and inspire people wherever I can. Ah, well done. In closing, I'd like to share a quote from Canadian philosopher, entrepreneur, and author Matsona Luwayo. He said, our most beautiful dreams are born from our most unpleasant nightmares. Today, I invite you to take action to transform the nightmares of your past into the beautiful dreams of your future. See you next time on Linda's Corner.